Hello and welcome to the Story Toolkit. I'm Basim El-Wakil, co-author of Action, The Art of Excitement with Robert McKee, and joining me is Luke Lionel, writer and part of the McKee Storylogue team. So today we are going to talk about a question that was sent to us through the email. I say sent to us, sent to me through email. Um, but before you get into that, you have to do your admin. Admin time. Admin. Get Strap yourselves in, guys. It's time for some admin. <laughs> this is where things get really exciting. <laughs> if you have any questions that you would like us to answer or bass to rant about, uh, uh, get in touch through Twitter, um, at Basim Story and uh, at Lucius Malcolm. Uh, or check out our website, ding, ding, Yay. ding, ding, ding. Um, which is thestorytoolkit.wordpress.com. And yes. you can also leave questions through there. You and can. that's where all the podcasts are available. Yep. Admin finished. Is that it? Yeah, that was it. Uh, send me your top tens. Oh. Your favourite tens. That's Addendum. A- yeah, we can add that in. I want more. I'm not keeping track of the ones I currently have, but I still want more. <laughs> um, There's some great top tens you're being sent as well. It's true. They are amazing. Uh, okay. So, uh, what we're going to talk about today is this question that was sent to me by uh, Johnny White. Uh, Johnny White is a guy I've known for a few years. He worked with McKee as part of the Storylog team. And um, he uh, he and I, uh, he, he was, he's a really nice guy. And two of us would talk a lot. He's a PhD in psychology, if I remember correctly. Um, he's very smart. He's currently working in LA with his, I believe, his fiance Morgan. Is he smarter than you? No one is. <laughs> I don't know. No one. None can rival Doom. Um, so, uh, <laughs> no, he's very smart, very very nice guy. He's p- very polite because he's Canadian, so that's just quite built into them. Um, but he's a very nice guy. He actually, there's a TED talk of him up online talking about getting the meaning in life from stories. Uh, and how we construct meaning from uh, stories that we tell in our own lives. Having heard the question he sent in, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's really interesting. And there's a great insight at the end of that TED talk as well, because he, he kind of it's I, I, it's he ends it. He, he has like a false ending, or it's like that's rather nihilistic and upsetting. And then he kind of resurrects a really good point at the end. It's like, oh, dude, that's really insightful. Well done. Um, he's a really nice guy. Um, yeah. Um, Should we check out the question? Yeah. So he sent a question in the email, in an email to me, and uh, it's pretty cool. So we're going to play the email, and then I've asked him. He said it's okay. So we're going to play the email, <laughs> and uh, and then we'll get back and talk to you and give you guys the answer. So if you guys want to do something similar, you can. Uh, Johnny didn't expect that we would use this, but this is how resourceful we are. Uh, <laughs> Let's okay. check it out. Hello, Mr. Bass. Uh, I listened to a whole lot of your podcast today, and uh, it was very enjoyable. Um, I just had uh, Morgan's away for the weekend, my girlfriend, and had a little time to myself and sort of felt like having a thoughtful day, and I've been watching a lot of movies. Now, I I do have a point. Um, Of course, I wouldn't normally send this via voice, but um, I've been listening to yours for six hours, so fair's fair. And um, uh, as I listened to the comments about uh, the new Star Wars, as well as uh, Civil War, as well as Batman versus Superman, the 
point that I came to and something that worries me is that we've arrived at the time of decadence that I think um, Aristotle predicted, was it? He said uh, um, uh, when the storytelling goes bad in society, the result is decadence. Uh, As McKee would say, we get these hollowed out pseudo stories. And um, what keeps bothering me is I hear your criticisms of Civil War. I hear your criticisms of The Force Awakens. And yet these movies are immensely successful. The audiences love them. And I, uh, like you, I find myself going, what is wrong with people? Um, don't they see, you know, that this is a rehash? Don't they see that there's no actual conflict here? Don't they see that despite being a bit of fun here and there, there is no underlying story to this thing? And I guess I, as I say, I worry that the time of decadence is upon us. Um, Now, that quote um, has an assumption, which is that the media effect is one directional. When storytelling goes bad, uh, the result is decadence. And uh, I don't think, uh, just because... Uh, this is what I studied. I, I don't think that that's really how it works. You know, the media doesn't tell us how to act in a in a one way fashion. I think it's reciprocal, and so I think what's happened is that society has become decadent, uh, and this makes Civil War and other movies that are just kind of you know light and fun, and you smash a bunch of people together, and you make a poop joke or two, and um, you know, call it a movie and a, and a billion dollars, it, it kind of makes that work because people aren't looking for deep answers. They're not looking for deep insights. They're not looking for the truths about, you know, this is what life is like. Instead, they're quite content to say, oh, this is what life is like. Life is a fuckabout, <laughs> you know, where we go and sometimes we fight our friends and sometimes we don't and um you know we copy uh trends we copy things that were popular before uh, i.e the force awakens copying a new hope and uh i don't know man i like you know because it's it's investors and venture capitalists running the funding for all of these things and i don't think that they are necessarily willing to let anything, you know, terribly original or creative or that hasn't been said before get made. And and I suppose we can hope that, you know, these things will lose popularity and truly creative things will gain popularity. But at the same time, I don't know, there's so much force and weight and history uh, and, and intelligence and talent behind these things that uh, it, it genuinely does concern me. So uh, I just kind of wanted to to send you a quick uh, message to say I've been paying attention. I find it very interesting. I find myself, you know, meditating on my own writing while I listen to your podcasts, similar to the experience that you've had of, of attending uh, Mr. McKee's seminars and, uh, you know, thinking about your own stuff and asking the deeper questions. So thank you. Uh, you have a dedicated fan, keep them coming. And uh, if you know how to solve the decadence problem, buddy, I'm all ears. Hope you're well. Bye. So that's the 
time of decadence question. Are we in the time of decadence? Um, so that, as you said, that makes more sense. Do you know that you know that it he, does make it far more yeah. sense? Yeah, he's 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 truth his, in storytelling. His psycho- his learning, um, his his uh, PhD in psychology. A lot of it was to do with how we. It's to do with media and psychology. And he's very, very sort of into uh, all this kind of these deep sort of questions. He's a very smart guy. Um, and so um, we, we can talk about this now. Well, summing up yes. his point, yes. first of all. Let's do that. So back to the Aristotle quote. Yeah. Which is when storytelling goes bad, yes, it results in... The age of decadence. Yeah. Uh, or the yeah, time of decadence. Uh, yeah, culture grows decadent. Sure. If it does not have good storytelling. But Johnny talked about reversing the two, it not being one way. Yeah, how how would you... He, he He's concerned, like, how do we stop this decadence from coming? And, well, the thing is, Aristotle, when he said that, he was referring to his own culture, however many thousands of years ago, because his culture was, in his view, very decadent. Um, he was. It wasn't like he's going. Oh, forsooth, there shall come a time. It was guys. We're we're already here. If he'd be, if he'd had Twitter, he'd be very angry about things and having little rants on Facebook about how decadent everything is. Aristotle ranting on Twitter. He totally would. He would. Yeah, that's what would happen. He well, like, like the conciseness and succinctness. That's an account we're setting up later today. <laughs> I bet you it's there. Oh, it's probably there. Um, so, but it, but this thing, this fear that. This is going to come. This has always been the case. Um, the fear that the the uh, tight that now we're going to there's always a in. generation that looks at the generation that's coming and thinks that generation is not as good as the current generation or the generations past. Uh, that's always the case, and generally, that I would suggest the reason that this is always the case, why this is a perpetual thing that has happened through history, is because what matters to a certain generation is different to another generation. And so they, if that generation, for example, doesn't care so much about a certain... You know how styles ebb and flow, yeah. right? If a style, some people, one generation loves and another generation doesn't love. Like, look at Westerns, right? We had loads of Westerns and then Westerns died out, okay? That doesn't mean, well, there's something inherently wrong. It just means that the what people like has shifted somewhat. What people are interested in has shifted somewhat. So... You know, we we look at now, we think the Looney Tunes, for example, Bugs Bunny, the Chuck Jones cartoons are like th- this pinnacle of this masterpiece of like of cartoon writing. And we really appreciate it for what it is. But back at that time, why would you waste your time watching a cartoon? Right? Why would you bother wasting your time with these things? This was the, the those cartoons were the entertainment before the major thing for, to keep kids quiet. That's what they. That's all they were. Now they're these gems that like people can't even count on DVD because they don't want to put all the Chuck Jones episodes on one DVD because then no other Warner Brothers cartoons would ever sell <laughs> because they won't just buy that one. So um, what standards change over time, but not necessarily they get worse or bad. They just shift what what the focus of life is about. This is possibly a relevant question, possibly not. So call me on it if it is total nonsense. But um, fads, like th- th- times yeah. changing, mm. do you feel now like times would change a lot quicker, and therefore we would have that, we would experience that cycle a lot, uh, a lot faster than Aristotle would? Like, 
Um, I don't know, maybe white togas were a thing and then all of a sudden somebody came in with a pink one. <laughs> it's possible. It's really possible. I don't know. I don't even know how you'd measure. But I, I, could, I could certainly believe that was the case simply because of how quickly information spreads now. Yeah. I could imagine that would be true. I think my point actually um, in my head at least was more related to technology and how quickly that moves now. Well, yeah, everything in that sense, those are things are moving very quickly in that sense. So I could imagine, yeah, maybe it's faster than it was before, but I don't know if it is. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, at the same time, we have lots of nostalgia. So in a way, things are saying very stagnant. So I don't know. I, there's no depressing very quickly. No, not really, because it, there's nothing really wrong with nostalgia in that sense. It's okay. We, we don't have to cast off the past so quickly. But but regardless, the the decadence um, thing that that Johnny specifically mentioned that he's worried about um, that people feel like that all the time. Sometimes I think it is justified. I think, yes, something has gotten more decadent. For example, I think the proliferation of reality TV is really upsetting. But at the same time, there's always been something like that, right? You know, people have said it's a lot like the Breads and Circuses, but it's also a lot like the freak shows of Victorian times. It's very similar. What was the first one you mentioned? It's a lot like... The Breads and Circuses of uh, Rome. Oh, right. The okay. Colosseum. Sorry, I'm with you. I'm with there's, you. there's always something like that, right? So, on the one hand, you could say, yes, things are getting decadent, but it, I don't know, it, it just, it, it looks to me a lot like an Escher stairwell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, With or without David Bowie? Well, I mean, it depends. I suppose without now, which yeah. is a reason why we're decadent, but I when see. we had David Bowie, we weren't so decadent. It grounded I, it in the 80s. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but the, the Escher stairwell thing, it just feels like, depending on where you are, it looks like you're going up, it looks like you're going down really kind of circling it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's something like that. I, I, I just I don't think it's as as clear cut as as, as we as, like to think it. As we're we're decadent or we're not. Yeah, I d and I don't think it's so easy to tell when we're sliding one way or the other. Um I get what it always feels like we are, well, but I don't know if we actually are. There's however many different aspects and facets of society that some could slide whilst others would be yeah. not. You mentioned yeah. reality TV. Yeah. That, at least uh, for, from my point of view, I'd agree, has mm. clearly uh, yeah. gone downhill. Yeah. But yeah, yeah um, and could you could easily say that is decadent. Yeah, I think it is. You look at how many different incarnations of Real Housewives there are, for yeah. example. But is it necessarily a decadence that wasn't there before? Is right. it more decadent than something before? I don't know. I just don't know the criteria which you could even measure it, but it just, but it always feels like that. Um, okay, but, but anyway, but, point but, being, but, but yeah, and point being that I don't think it says um, unique to now. I think it's always it's there's always that concern, which is fine. The other thing is there's also a sense of like blame that always is given to these things which is if you look at films for example if they're very nihilistic and, they, and they're very morally relativistic and things like that people complain and they think well the films are making people more alienated because they talk about alienation so much um, or they go they're normalizing certain types of behavior we don't like or whatever right and they blame the films 
um, and they say these things are very influential. You know, blame that we have to stop people from making these kind of films, these kinds of stories. But my feeling is it's the other way around. Um, people, artists, aren't this myth that the artist is somehow separate from the world in which they live objectively observes it and then comments on it with great insight is just total nonsense artists are very much the product of their cultural environment as much as anyone else's that's what cliches are (laughs) that's why we have cliches because the person can't think of anything original they're just thinking of uh, everything they've already seen Um, and so there's this thing of it's it's like people blaming the top topsoil for problems that are much deeper underground the art that we see today, so much of it is about isolation, for example. People feel really isolated at the moment and very alone. You can see it. Like Doctor Who's been running for 50 years, but now he's called the Lonely Doctor, right? This loneliness has crept in. Well, where has that come from? Is that because artists have been telling us we're lonely? Or is it because artists are feeling lonely and they're expressing that? Well, then why are the artists... Artists are kind of like, if you, in a functional sense, I guess... They're, they're part of the culture that's able to express what everyone is feeling, but in a very personal way. So um, if the artists are feeling lonely, that suggests a lot of the culture is feeling lonely. Why is the culture feeling so lonely? Well, because of other things that aren't to do with art, but rather much more deeper problems. If, the, if art is reflecting a, a world that's constantly morally relativistic and it seems there's no such thing as justice, and it seems that... Um, uh, terrible things are happening and there's no meaning behind any of it and that would suggest that's how the culture is looking at the world and then you go well why is the culture thinking like that uh why why is that the case now if you can see if the art is reflecting the problem that doesn't mean that they've created the problem rather it suggests the problem is now so widespread that artists are able to so talk in, about it. in in this analogy art is the topsoil yeah Exactly, and the problems lie deeper. Exactly. You just—I just wanted to highlight a phrase you used, um, uh, which I really it. liked, which was uh, that artists are part of the culture, able to express what they're feeling. Yeah, the, I yeah. just—I love the idea that the the culture is feeling that, but these are the the artists. That's are the, the point of us, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the point of an artist. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to express with a great insight what it is that everyone else is feeling. It's not about just your self-expression. It's a, because you're not separate you're supposed to, you're part yeah. of everyone else if it's this i, this, I knew that was the case the, it was just more your phrasing that well, i liked well that's nice thank you but this is my problem with modern art modern art doesn't express anything universal it just tries to express what they think about things so but that's not ha- what is the case just your own neuroses aren't part of the thing they aren't part of human experience it's just your neuroses that you may have even invented just so you can express this thing like do you know what i mean it's very it's so superficial Self-indulgent and self-indulgent as well, yeah. But it's but it's just it's just about them. But like, if you think deeper, like what's actually going on in you, it's very similar to what everyone else's. This is what I've always said about artists: they take something that's very personal, make it very universal, and then the audience turns it personal again. That's how it works. And so, um, so as I say, I, I obviously I think art is important. It's very, it can be influential, but my feeling is art is reflecting what's going on not generating what's going on so by the time it hits the sort of artistic world it's already there it's it's the symptom if you want to say it, rather than the than the, the disease itself 
um, when it when it goes wrong. That is. So when I look at reality TV, you know, people when people say this, it's like, well, if it didn't sell, it wouldn't be being made. It's like, yeah, you're right. So why is it selling? You see what I mean? It's like, why why does reality TV sell if it's so terrible for us? Well, it's the, that's the that's the problem. The problem is not that people so much are making reality TV. It's like that reality TV can be successful. And so like, why would that be the case? So um, that's just how I look at it. So in 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 Johnny's question. He's phrasing it as like, in the way Aristotle suggests it, which is um, the causal relationship, storytelling goes bad, we go decadent. And I'm suggesting not really, we go decadent, then our storytelling goes bad. And I suppose you could say Aristotle was trying to say that, but who knows, he's been translated a thousand times. His, lang- his language is dead, who knows what he said. Right, that sounded like a like a burn. No, I don't mean it like a burn. I mean literally, like he's dead. Like he said this thing. Like maybe this is what I'm saying is what he was literally trying to say. You couldn't say that the other way. Um, when a culture grows decadent, when storytelling goes uh, goes bad, this culture grows decadent. Right? He he could be phrasing it the causes the other way around. Yeah. Right. You could phrase it. That phrase could mean either way. So which is the cause? Which is the the effect? Yeah. My feeling is it's a bit cyclical either way. I suppose. Uh, obviously, once it's like an you know it's like a juggernaut. <laughs> once the once the culture has grown decadent, the storytelling goes decadent, and the culture gets more decadent. The storytelling gets more decadent, right? It would be yeah. like that. But my my feeling is the way to stop it is not to attack the storytelling, but to attack the culture that breeds it. Because I don't, I just, uh, yeah, I, but pop, artists are part of the culture they're in, so they're not they're not an island. They you know in that sense. So that's what I'm sort of addressing there. Um, but now I thought we should talk about a film that kind of expresses all of this. Neatly and succinctly. Yes, a film that's very sort of intellectual about this and very, very insightful, very deep. I um, it's, it's a very <laughs> beloved film. People really love it. It is. Yeah. It, it should have won 28 Oscars. <laughs> 28, 28 Oscars I don't think possibly so possibly more than they hand out but it yeah. would have been justified uh, yeah and I, I feel like there, there are certain ones that like maybe they wouldn't have been eligible for but I also agree with you but they should have won we're, them regardless I think we're overselling it now no I think no. it is one of the the most beautifully um, <laughs> philosophical <laughs> and intellectual movies of our time yes I would agree and now I think about it, it should have been in my top 10 <laughs> Uh, the film we're talking about is Basketball. Yeah. The uh, Zucker Brothers comedy starring Matt Stone and Trey Parker from 1998. Um, uh, obviously, we're, we're, we're playing around a bit with just that. <laughs> but it's but seriously, the reason we... Uh, Luke, uh, we were trying to think of a good film to talk about for this. And Luke suggested Basketball, and he's dead right. Because Basketball <laughs> is about this. It's about decadence and selling out. And um, it does it really well. So for those of you who haven't seen Basketball, you should go watch it because it's very funny. Um, but the whole premise of the of the the film is Stone and Parker play these two slacker losers who can't even pay their gas bill. They're just losers, but they don't care about anything. They're just rude to everyone. They go to a party where all their old college friends uh, are at, and they get... They get uh, well, everybody else there is more successful. Yes. And they have jobs and they're growing and they up. get and they insult them for it. But at the same time, Stone and Parker insult uh, are horribly rude back. Like so, it's it's just funny. It's not like they're being bullied. This is horrible. But there's a bit where they're playing uh, outside of the party. They're just shooting hoops 
in the in the drive of this person, and then two jocks show up and they're like they want to show off that they're good at it. It's like yeah, fine, but we'll play street rules, right? And they're like yeah, okay, street. What's street rules? Like basketball rules. And he goes, what's basketball rules? Like, you don't know. It's like no, I know, I know, I know. It's like okay, fine. So they they're playing with them they they ad lib and they invent ad-lib. this game exactly they improv the, all these version these addendums to basketball which is basically you play basketball but base through baseball <laughs> you combine the two so you can't dribble the ball you stand in a place you take a shot and if you get it straight in that's a home run and <laughs> and all this kind of stuff but uh during it they insult the other guys and they said that's part of the game i'm allowed to do anything i want short of touching you to make you miss your shot so it's like horse. It's like no, it's not like horse. And they get and they, but they they get really sort of deep personal insults at each other. It's really funny. Um, and then they start playing it basketball this way more and more. Um, and the whole thing started because they can't dribble the ball. They're fat and lazy. They can't be bothered to run around. These guys will run the court and beat them. So they decided if if we say they can't move and we just insult them, we'll beat them at basketball. That's how they come up with this system. They come up with this whole game, and it becomes this neighborhood sensation, and then everyone starts uh, playing uh, basketball, and then it becomes an, an actual televised, institutionalized sport. And what separates it from other sports is people can't change teams, you can't merchandise teams, so on. You know, it, 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 the money aspect of it is taken out, and it's just about playing the game and doing the game as well as you can, and enjoying the game, and there's not excessive celebrations. (laughs) There's that great bit at the beginning of the film where they're talking about how people have grown tired of sports because of the excessive celebration. There's a bit where a guy scores a touchdown, he starts river dancing, and then everyone in the stadium (laughs) is river dancing with him. Oh, this kind of nonsense. So they cut all that out. People can't just get a lot of money as players and then switch teams. Where you come from is, that's it. That's the team you're part of. You You can't change what team you're on. You can't. St. Louis can't offer you more money than you go to St. Louis. You're if you were born in Denver, you stay in Denver. That's it. So that's happening, and the guy who's financing basketball and turn helps turn it into a sensation is totally supporting this sort of ethos of looking at sports this way. He passes away, and Robert Vaughn takes over the company and then tries to monetize this thing, allow players to trade, allow players to move around, merchandise, merchandise, etc., piece by piece. And he totally corrupts uh, uh, Matt Stone. Matt Stone is the guy with the big curly hair, right? Yes. Okay. He corrupts Matt Stone. I always forget who's who. Because <laughs> uh, he, they're one person. <laughs> they're one delightful person that I want to meet one day but I always I always get them confused so Matt Stone gets corrupted very easily and <laughs> sort of just like immediately is offered secret uh, uh, what was it Victoria's Secret supermodels and money and just sells out like that right <laughs> uh, Trey Parker on the other hand doesn't he doesn't want to sell out but Vaughn manipulates him and tricks him into a thing where uh, the guy has to kind of play ball Quite, and it's, that's a whole joke, right? It's like, I want you to play ball. And he goes, I thought you didn't want us to play against the Denver Broncos. <laughs> no, no, I want you to play ball with me. You want to play basketball? Ha ha ha. Like, there's all this <laughs> delightful interplay. And um, uh, so uh, tr- um, Trey Parker's character gets in the situation where the girl that he likes, which is played by Yasmin Bleeth, she does a, <laughs> she, she works for the Make a Wish Foundation. 
<laughs> and of course, it has that wonderful line of "So, kid, what do you want as your as you're wishing us to be cured?" <laughs> like, uh, can't do that. Reunite me with my biological father. I uh, can't do that. <laughs> it's like, how about if you watch a basketball game with us? All right. <laughs> um, that kind of stuff. So, uh, she she and Trey start to fall in love, but then it turns out that. All the merchandise that is being made is being made by a horrible sweatshop, and so he's getting blamed for that. Trey Parker, so that he he sort of embroils him in the corruption of 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 basketball, and then says you basically you you're you're in a no win situation. No matter what you do, you can't get out of this. So you may as well just enjoy it and play ball, go along with it. Um, and then Trey uh, fights back, gets out of it. Uh, exposes the corruption. He, uh, Matt Stone joins him, and they save basketball and live happily ever after. The end. It's great. It's wonderful. It's a joy. But basketball is very insightful because that is when we talk about. You know, when I say like, okay, decadence. It's more of a cultural thing. It's always happening, etc. That doesn't obviate the fact that why are people making this stuff. It's one thing to go, it's a shame that you can make reality TV and it sells. It's another thing, why did you make reality TV? Why, why is this person doing it? And basketball really expresses that in a really great way, which is, well, some people just are very easily corruptible, right? Like, you can just be corrupted by it. You get seduced with wealth and fame. You're separated from the consequences of your actions. What do you care? You live out your happy lives. That's what happens to Matt Stone. Trey Parker's character, they basically, you manipulate someone into a situation where they have to go along with it. This happens in Hollywood all the time. There's, there's um, this thing. I remember um, the writer and creator of Babylon 5 mentioning this. Um, Joe Michael Straczynski he mentioned um, uh, and I think Joss Whedon has said this before as well um, they both said something similar which is they've wh- whenever they've got money they've kept it aside as savings and things So, and the way they phrase it is so they don't have to work right the reason is there are people in Hollywood who the finance of just running their ho- keeping their home keeping everything that they have, their home, their businesses, this, this, all their little hobbies, their collections, all this. You know, you see these famous Hollywood stars and they have these ex- incredibly extravagant houses with incredibly extravagant cars. These things require constant influx of money to maintain. So once they hit a certain level of luxury, they can't drop below it. And that's when the executives and so have their hooks in them. It's like, it's, it's like a drug deal pusher, you know? It's the same thing as like, Okay, you have to do this job because if you don't, you won't, don't get the 10 million for this film. You don't get the 10 million for this film. You lose your house because you can't afford to keep your house. I, remember, <laughs> I don't care. I remember Columbo, right? <laughs> There's an episode of Columbo where. There was a look in your eye before you yeah. dropped that where yeah. it's like, yeah, I, I, know what I'm, I know what I'm about to reference is bad. But I don't care. There's an episode. Of, there's an episode of Columbo. He goes to, if I remember right, it's a, a, a very famous orchestral conductor, and he's in his house, and he start and he remarks at the size of the house because, how much sir does it cost to run this house? And they go through the maths of it, and he realizes that he would have to work forty years to live one year in the house, to be able to finance it. And he's going through the upkeep, what it costs to look after the garden 
the plumbing, all this stuff. He goes through everything itemizing. He have to work 40 years on his salary to live one year in the house. That kind of lifestyle, which is how they get Trey Parker's character, they kind of put him in that situation where he can't say no anymore, is another way that people end up making crap. You know? Um, actors, um, famous people in particular, if they're not on television constantly, people forget who they are, then suddenly they've worked so hard to get to this point, and then all of a sudden they lose it all because they said no to one project. Um... I mean that happens. That's a that's a thing that really happens. You say no to the wrong person, suddenly you're you're out. Um, so th- this is why people produce things that they know is ter- uh, uh, they don't they hate it themselves, but they have to play ball. Bruce Willis is a really good example of this. It's so obvious Bruce Willis hates the films he makes. He was never an action hero. He did Die Hard. That's it. Before then, he was a romantic dramatic lead. And now all he, all people ask him to do is to play a tough New York action hero, and he hates it. And he keeps being offered these roles, and I'm like, well, why? It's because if he says no, he disappears off the face of the earth. He has no career anymore. This is the terror of being typecast, right? Mm. So the, this happens to people, and not just in acting, but throughout life. This is why people produce terrible things. If you have, if you're working really hard and you get into, finally you break the competition, you work in a television company or whatever, and they say, "Hey, we want to make a documentary or we want to make a reality TV show," uh, and it's this horrible premise, and you say no, you're getting fired and replaced with someone else the next day. You know why do people walk, work in call centers? No, it's the same thing. It's all the same thing. So basketball gets that. You've got these people, they're doing this thing they really like, and as the stakes build up, you have someone else come in and just start to corrupt it, looking for other things that they can exploit and so on, and it takes it away. And then suddenly you end up with people producing stuff they don't want to do, that they don't like, that their conscience says you shouldn't do, but they're doing it because what else are they supposed to do? They don't see how they're supposed to get out of it. That's, so that's why we get decadent things, I guess. And that's from basketball. Yeah. But that be- <laughs> that the beauty and the kind of truth in the in the writing of basketball beneath all the toilet humour and uh, yeah. chopping off of fingers, etc. <laughs> and Marlon choking Br- on hot dogs. Yeah, and Marlon Brando's ass fat. <laughs> um, beneath all that <laughs> is and Matt Squeak and Squeak <laughs> is Matt Stone and Trey Parker who have been who have been cutting. Um, society to shreds with South Park for like they're in the twentieth season now. Yeah, and uh, and they did the Book of Mormon, which and they did Book of Mormon, yeah, broken all kinds of records. And not only that, it was really f- they did Team America. And what's <laughs> fascinating about them is when they did the South Park film, which is a huge attack on the American culture that was attacking them for causing Columbine. Yeah, the whole South Park film is basically the idea is is them attacking that that uh, that sort of thinking. Um, th- when they did the film you can hear this on their commentaries which we've said talked about before which you, if you, if you, go on YouTube if you have you know and just type in South Park audio commentary and just listen to their commentaries they're like five minutes they're amazing they're better than this podcast uh, don't go to another podcast <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, um, they're like our podcast times a million <laughs> but they, um, they yeah <laughs> They, they they talk about how they when they were doing the film they went 
maybe we should learn how to write. <laughs> and in my head, it's like the bit in, in Bill and Ted where they go, maybe we should just learn how to play. <laughs> uh, we should learn how to write. And so they sat down and started really learning how to write. And even to this day, if they're going to writing schools or whatever, and they do le- do talks and seminars, they kind of say, like, you guys probably all heard this, but uh, we, we this is something we discovered by ourselves, but I'm sure you all know this anyway. And then they say a principle, and everyone's like, I didn't know that. That makes perfect <laughs> sense. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> they're really good at this. They really paid attention. Um, so those those guys, they, they just sort of sat down when we have to actually learn. And when they, here's the irony. When they did basketball, they were in their second or third season of South Park. And the reason they did basketball was because they thought South Park was going to get cancelled. I did not know that. So the, the basketball, when you see a take, it's like when that went cut, they went, okay, guys, went into a van and edited the next episode of South Park. <laughs> like they were just totally overworked during basketball, but they thought they thought South Park was done and they had to go out and do other things. It's like no, these guys, these are the these are the, that rare breed where they got Ben Affleck is actually similar, believe it or not. They're the rare breed where they realised they've hit a point of success. Now is the time. I have no excuse not to get better. I should actually work harder. Like Ben Affleck has become a serious director. When did, um, and also I'm disappointed that we're talking about South, South Park and you didn't call him Ben Aslek. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, what, uh, do you remember when the South Park movie came out? Oh, it was 98, no, it can't be 98. Was it before or after Basketball? It was after. It was after. Because there, pe- there was a point with South Park where uh, initially it, it was good Cause, for a few seasons. Columbine. Was uh, was uh, it was after Columbine? Right. Okay. Columbine, I think, was ninety six. Okay, but there there was a period that um, around that time. The th- yeah, the thing I was getting to was um, that uh, after a few seasons of South Park, there was a point where it suddenly turned and just went, th- you know, through the roof. Like yeah. how good it was. Yeah, well you can you can really tell as well when you yeah. go back and watch it. It's around season five. Season five is when it happened, but it was the, it was the beginning of season seven when I noticed it. Oh, right, And then yeah. going back, you realise yeah. actually it's been going for a while. Yeah, they 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 really um, stepped up their game, and yeah. and you can see it with Ben Affleck. Like before, Ben Affleck was just you know yeah he's fine. He's a movie star, nothing to really write about. Then he does Argo, and you yeah. go wow, and then he does Gone Girl, which he stars in, God. and he's really good. Gone Girl is unbelievable. Yeah, and then he's the best thing in, in, in the way, in the DC yeah. thing. Like he's what happened to this guy? And he's he's rare. He the Stone and Parker. These guys are rare. They that they, they don't get sucked in. Some people get sucked in. That's why we end up with this sort of decadence problem, as Johnny would say. And he's he's right. You get that because it's just... But there's some, but every now and again, people can fight against that tide. I don't know how South Park have managed to pull this off. I think South Park, the guys who do South Park have actively alienated everyone in Hollywood and they don't care. Well, I've been thinking about that a lot in the last few yeah. weeks, actually, and I think the reason South Park manages to keep going, because it's so topical, there's this constant generation of material for them. Yeah. Because they rip into anything, anything that happens in yeah. the news, anything you see. They attack Comedy Central. Comedy Central didn't exist until South Park. It was a nothing channel. South Park, then The Daily Show. That's Comedy Central. So, Comedy Central was a joke sh- uh, uh, in a bad way. It was a joke channel. 
but those those two shows brought it back. So South Park, they're happy to let it run. It seems forever. The guys are happy to do it. They're making enough money; they don't have to worry about anything else. They can attack whoever they want, uh, and um, it seems like no one wants to work with them because of it. Like when they were a big famous thing, uh, that people called them up and said, "I want to work like that." And Jerry Seinfeld's like, "I want to be on an episode of South Park." I went, "Fine, you can be Turkey Number Four." <laughs> and like they go, "It's Jerry Seinfeld," and they go, "Yeah, he's Turkey Number Four." <laughs> That's it, right? And like that's just how totally like they will not play any game. Yeah. With anyone. They just won't do it. Um but most people will. But basketball is 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 about this. It's about this kind of like this desire to sell out, which is why we get that. And um, we 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 had mentioned before we were recording the dissimilarity or the the parallels between the the audience relationship with basketball in the movie mm. and the audience relationship with um, I want to bring this in now Civil War. Yes. Um, yeah, because Johnny mentioned Civil War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, what? Don't they see that it's not very good, etc. Exactly. But like in yeah. in. Uh, in basketball, you know they're there. It, it's entertaining. It's razzle dazzle. You've yeah. got, you know, th- things happen for like literally bright, bright flashing lights, etc. Yeah. Um, so civil war, oh. go. Okay, the way you said that is if you want me to snap. I thought it was a trigger word for you. It is. Okay, but I'll talk about civil war after we've talked about Mr. Robot. Ah, that's you. right. I found your trigger word. <laughs> Uh, so, so, so oh, every time uh, I'm, that's ready in my back pocket uh, so, so for context I feel the same way about Mr. Robot that bashed us about <laughs> Civil War no you feel worse for Mr. Robot than I, I do, do. I really you, do what you really mean is Abrams and, and <laughs> oh, Prometheus God, sorry, like that, that's where I snap okay? by the way on the Abrams thing I saw a <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is on topic by the way it better be <laughs> Um, uh, there was an article today I saw about um, uh, God. It wasn't even a press release, or it wasn't even news, but it was a news article about um, the fact that somebody unnamed had started writing um, the third Star Wars movie in this little anthology. So you've got Rogue One, the Han Solo movie, right. and then third whatever right. it is. So that was the news. Somebody's been hired to write right. something. Um, but on the comment section underneath, somebody said, as long as the uh, writing is of the quality of the Marvel Universe and not the DC. Right. And I wanted to bring that comment up. That's a good point. That is actually a very good point, because that is what I was going to get to. So Johnny mentions like it was the problem with Civil War and so on. The reason... There's, an, it, there's a podcast we didn't do that Luke wanted to do that I didn't want to do. And the reason we didn't do it, it was the podcast on the new Ghostbusters film the all-female Ghostbusters film. The reason I didn't want to do it is because the film, I thought, was really weak. Luke, you really liked it. I really enjoyed it, yeah. I thought there's some funny bits in it, but I thought fundamentally it was just not very good at all. The reason I didn't want to talk about it was while it, I could say, I don't think it was funny for this reason, I don't think this worked very well, this would have been better if they'd done this, blah, 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 blah. The discussion about the new Ghostbusters film was all about the fact that four women can make a film, uh, sorry, can star in a film that is a summer blockbuster and have it do well. And for my money, that's a good thing. I I'm I would like <laughs> films like that. So I don't see the need to trash it. It doesn't make any sense. Civil War, on the other hand, the reason we did two podcasts where I attacked Civil War and 
big up Batman v Superman is because in that comment you just mentioned as well, Civil War is not being heralded as it's a light fun film. It's being heralded as the model for future franchise writing. It's the model of writing to go forward for summer blockbusters. See, Ghostbusters wasn't done that. Ghostbusters was this is a fun film and it was all about the political ramifications of its the gender of its cast. Civil War is about this is the model films need to go on. Marvel Studios sees this film do well. More of their films are going to be like it. Audiences are going to want more films to be like Civil War. And already the DC uh, universe has started changing its films to f- look more like Marvel films. When my feeling is the Batman v Superman was really, really well done. There's there's problems with it. But fundamentally, same with Man of Steel, the concepts behind it are the kind of concepts you want to generate a thing and and the fact that they paid things off and the pace at which the the universe was moving forward was really good but um civil war is saying no no we go back to soap operatic kind of nonsense so i criticize civil war because this podcast is primarily about storytelling and story structure and elements of that not other things so that's why we attacked civil war uh but not because it's some example of the decadence of today I think that's overselling it. I think actually it's a lot of fun. It's just it shouldn't be a model going forward because there's so many fundamental flaws with that thinking. And it's ultimately going to result in worse films that don't pay anything off. I think that's a key point there, that Civil War is not an example of the age of decadence. No, it really isn't. It's nowhere near that bad. Um, It's a lot of fun. Um, and, And Johnny even says it is fun. Yeah, in his thing, but um, but the reason you know, yeah, I spent we spent two hours trashing it, right? Fine. Well, why? Well, because it's so. And here's the thing, though, time always tells. See, decadence is really hard to do in the moment. When you look back, you can tell. Quality is always tested through time. Already, people are reacting negatively to civil war. People are going, yeah, really, it's just the airport scene. Beyond that, people kind of go, yeah, yeah, it is a bit silly. Yeah, yeah, nothing really happens. Um, Force Awakens is already become a joke. People are starting to go, actually, it it was rubbish. Game of Thrones, people are going, yeah, this isn't going anywhere. Right? People pick up on this stuff eventually. They do. It's just you have to... But then guess what? Something else is rubbish is being lauded at the same time. So it's always going to be this way. But people pick up on these things anyway. So my, my, my concern specifically with Civil War is the speed at which these films come out, it, it, they don't come out instantaneously. Justice League is being filmed right now in the thinking that Civil War is the way to do films, which suggests to me Justice League is going to come out and have no payoffs and be full of unnecessarily light comedy. And then... I'll be really disappointed because I think the Justice League film would have been something a lot more interesting. But hope, you know, if Ben Affleck has cold feet and Zack Snyder has cold feet and Chris Terrio and everyone in DC making these films is all wondering, man, we did something really wrong. Well, guess what? Then they're going to mess up the Justice League film. And that's why it upsets me because then if the Justice League film tanks, right, then DC's pretty much done. And if DC's pretty much done, then Marvel's left on its own. Marvel will then start to tank. Right? That's how I look at it. So that's why I'm like, guys, 
look at this film, it's not what you think it is. But not because I think it's something particularly awful. Do you think, picking up on a point that uh, Johnny yeah. said, do you think people aren't looking for the truth? Right, yeah. So this this is another thing that he mentions. It's like, uh, why should people who go to see Civil War expect such insightful art from it? Isn't that the real question? Why, why is it wrong that Civil War doesn't give you that kind of response? Like, it, it, it doesn't pretend to. It doesn't pretend that it's going to do this kind of thing. It's just meant to be light fun. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean things are getting decadent just because... You see, one of the fun reasons why we picked basketball <laughs> is because you wouldn't expect basketball to have any insight into this kind of stuff because you presume a stupid slack, a sort of like a stoner comedy by the Zucker brothers with silly puns and all this stuff wouldn't have anything insightful about anything. But actually, basketball is really quite insightful into selling out. It's really cool. It's very funny. It's really insightful critique of sports entertainment. It's just great, okay? Um, but you wouldn't expect that. People don't go to the same places as everyone else for the same reasons. So Johnny and myself, for example, we clearly go to cinema and we want something deep and meaningful and so when we get something like civil war i mean i'm a huge superhero geek right i want my superhero stuff to be really enriching so when i get something that's bland i get really upset with it but guess what i don't do i don't get expect to get that from music that's not why i go to music but you on the other hand it's the other way around right yeah music for you is really important yeah, that's so, that's where I would go for truth. You're right. So or if art, yeah, yeah, so if I <laughs> if, if I, so I listen to janky whatever music, okay. How did you describe it? Janky. Janky. Yeah, whatever. What I does janky mean? I don't know. I don't know what to call it. I don't. I. I'm so. Un, <laughs> I, I. I'm so unimmersed in the world of music. I don't know. I love that you're so unimmersed that you think janky is a is a is a term. I assumed it was. Yeah. I assume that's what hip kids talk about. Janky. Yeah, on the down low. Oh man, that. Fat beat is so janky. I don't know. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start using that. Good. That's I'm glad. I hope I set that trend. <laughs> um, but I'm not expecting to get a sort of enrichment from it. I very rarely do with music. But other people, for them, music yeah. is just like when you if if you if you uh, meet somebody and you say, "What kind of music do you listen to?" The um, what what this conversation made me realize is the 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 type of answer you would get some from time to time which is oh I listen to anything yeah it's kind of the same as um, the kind of people that wouldn't watch anything um, I guess challenging or insightful right. but would happily um, watch you know the Marvel movies except you know right. the big popcorn yeah Hollywood right uh, movies for yes. what they are which is just fun yeah right exactly this is the uh, this is what I'm always trying to explain to people because they go when people say things like, well, I'm not um, as well-versed in story, but blah, blah, blah. this is why I did the 10 favourite films. Yeah. This is this is it. It's like, you don't have to go to the cinema to expect nothing but pure art. Like, it's okay. But just because pe people, Civil War is doing really well, that suggests people aren't, the mo majority of people going to cinema aren't going for deep enriching things necessarily or whatever. But that doesn't mean they're not getting it from somewhere. Yeah, and I would suggest what baffles me, what really baffles me is not that Civil War did well; it's that those films are doing well 
in an age where we have Breaking Bad <laughs> and Netflix, I don't understand how people can go to the cinema and get so little story and walk out and be okay with it. Whereas they'll complain that the first season of Breaking Bad is too slow. I, I don't understand that disconnect. But that's because people expect different things from TV to cinema, etc. But I would suggest, in terms of story, people love novels. Right? Mm-hmm. People love television. So, where people are getting that enrichment from is coming from other places. So, sometimes the reason people can't tell, hey, how come they didn't recognize Civil War as crap? Yeah, sometimes it's because of problems like decadence. Things like, here's a, here's a thought. Why is it that people don't even want to expect to see this stuff from cinema? Have, we, have people started to lose the ability to even um, appreciate art properly? You know, have, the, the language of being able to understand it is gone. You're so used to popcorn, you don't, you know, you're so used to McDonald's, you don't know what gourmet food is, right? That kind of thing. That can happen too. That's that's a thing that can happen. Your tastes can be ruined by that kind of stuff. So there, there's all these sort of things to be worried about, but it doesn't necessarily mean everyone's being decadent. It might just mean, guess what? People don't care as much about cinema anymore because television is so much better. It might just be as simple as that. I was just thinking, I was wondering about that. I was wondering about asking you that question, whether people are moving to TV for yeah. that um, real yeah. kind of insight for the soul yeah. Um, as opposed to film, and I thought I'm not going to ask that because the answer is probably not yes. Yeah. Um, well, this so. is why this is why people who go to art galleries now they don't feel anything. They don't get that from art galleries. They go. It's like going to a museum. Oh, I see. A museum as yeah. opposed to an art. Gallery. Yeah, yeah, there's I mean, no art there. It's just a museum piece now. It's everything's just a museum, museum, museum. And no one's feeling anything. So where are they getting the that from? Maybe from nature. Maybe people are getting those experiences that they really need from their families. They don't need this stuff at the moment. Who knows? Do you think everybody needs that feeling? I, 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 I think that what art does is it's an aesthetic form of feeling sort of deep emotions and things in a sort of safe way, and it's great. But some people might a, might not need that. Or maybe people don't know how to get it anymore. They don't know how to experience that. Maybe there aren't very good outlets for it. There, there could be. There's the point is there's uh, there's a number of reasons for why this might be the case, but they don't necessarily mean everything's decadent. Aristotle's right. We're all going to die in orgies of vomit. It. Just... Wait, that's the age of decadence. Yeah. Oh, sign me up. Yeah, I knew you'd go for that. <laughs> I made a mistake in telling you what it was. I should have kept that door closed. Um, but no. Yeah, but Aristotle was janky. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he was. He was janky. That should be the subtitle. Like of the Mr. Podcast, Robot, by the way. Uh, <laughs> that was uncalled for. It's kind of, it's kind of every time. Uh, so, but but anyway, so Johnny's like, I'm worried about this. How do we turn it back? And I'm suggesting it's possible that just as you wouldn't expect basketball to necessarily give you the insights that you would expect it to, maybe. You're looking in the wrong place for those things, and if you look, find the, those kind of that kind of um, stimulation in something else, you won't feel so bad about it. Maybe you should watch more TV. 
There might there there's there are films coming out with that insight. Sure, of course there are. There always is. It's just that maybe the sh- there's a shift, and that's what he- you're reacting to. Oh, I see. Right. Which is why, it, which yeah, it goes yeah. back to what I said about standards changing. People, the things shift, and so you go, why aren't people making? Well, why aren't people doing vaudeville anymore? We've gone decadent. So, no, it's what vaudeville was good for is being done somewhere else, sure. and you haven't left the theatre to see the new thing. I just had a, uh, another thought occurred to me, as they mm. so often do, whilst you give out such words of wisdom. Yeah, um, really. Thinking <laughs> so, Civil War. I can't. I can't recall if that broke any records, but it made a silly amount of money. Right? Yeah. So, if you track back all the movies that make a silly amount of money, and that mm. is a technical term, um, I believe it's around one point two billion. Um, <laughs> uh, would they? Would any of them have? Um, well, I'm sure some, sort of sure some of them do. But um, do you think they would be uh, an overabundance of, I guess, popcorn movies? Is what I'm no, getting. At. I have no idea. What here's? But here's something that's great to know: the best Mission Impossible film is the highest grossing Mission Impossible film, Ghost Protocol. It's not only the highest grossing Mission Impossible film; it's the highest grossing Tom Cruise film. Really? Yeah. That's excellent. Isn't it? Yeah. And it's, it's, the, it's by far the best. Not only is it the best, um, Ghost Pro- the Mission Impossible films have a running joke, which is the director always changes and the, and the director general of the team is different every hmm. film. So the first film was, I think, Brian De Palma and... Uh, I don't know who the director is. The director of the... Yeah, IMF. I can picture him. It wasn't John Boyd. No, it wasn't. I can picture him. I can't. It was someone else. And then the second one, it was Anthony Hopkins, and it was directed by John Woo. The third one was um, Lawrence Fishburne, and it was directed by J.J. Abrams. And then the fourth one was Tom Wilkinson, and directed by Brad Bird. And the fifth one was directed by Christopher McQuarrie, and Alec Baldwin was the director general. The fifth one, before they got Macquarie on and everything, was the only time they wanted to keep the director on. They wanted to keep Brad Bird for another film. <laughs> and he went and did Tomorrowland instead. But, Ghost Protocol, the best Mission Impossible film, highest grossing Mission Impossible film. So, it's not all doom and gloom. I have a question I just wanted to go back to quickly, yes. which I noted. You mentioned reality TV. Why do you think that reality TV is so successful? Successful? Yeah. Because it's easy. For you think for the same re- fundamentally for the same reason that Civil War is successful. No. It's easy. No, I don't think Civil War was easy. Um I I I I, I that's not why at all. I think um Civil War was successful because it was really nicely done. It was well told. Just what was told wasn't good, but it was really well told. It was really entertaining to watch. Everyone was fun in it. Why wouldn't you enjoy it? The only, enjo- the only reason not to enjoy Civil War is because you realise that actually this is a waste of time. Nothing's happening. Right? Yeah. But if you don't pick up on that and you just go along for the ride, it's a lot of fun. What's wrong with the roller coaster? You know? But reality TV, what I mean by it's easy, I mean it's really easy to sit there and judge other people. It's really sick. You just kind of sit there and go, ha, 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 look at how horrible this person is. And it's just, really? See, that's what I thought the answer would be. Yeah, it's Something horrible. Along it's easy. those lines. It's just easy to sit in judgment of other people. It's, uh, it's horrible. Okay. 
So yes. Um, should we sum up? Yeah. Or do you okay. want to talk about our own writing? I don't. I don't know. Which way do you want to go? Left or right? Left. Left. Summation then. <laughs> <laughs> to sum up, I note down. I noted down some of your wisest words. Okay. As we went along, so we'll go with decadence and your. Um, Escher analogy. Oh, oh, okay. The perception of decadence is like yeah. the Escher stairwell. But it was more the, the counterpoint to, um, or do, in answering uh, Johnny's question, saying, "No, we're not in an age of decadence, but right. things rise and fall, and actually, yeah. it's a bit like the, the Escher stairwell. It's just con- stairwell. it's kind of stagnant. Actually, it's just constantly moving. Yeah, but it looks like it's going getting worse. Yeah, when it's probably just staying exactly as it is. <laughs> yeah. Um. I definitely wanted to go back to your topsoil. Okay. <laughs> I wish I hadn't phrased it like that, but, okay. I'm, but I'm, I'm styling it out. I'm going to okay. stick with it. Okay. Topsoil. Yes. Sum up. Um, uh, artists are part of their culture, and what they do with their art is they express what the culture is feeling through in a very personal way. And so if artists are expressing something, there's a good chance that the culture is the thing that's actually feeling it. And so it's not the artist's fault that these are things that are happening in society. And their expression of it doesn't mean that uh, they're making it worse and perpetrating it. Rather, what it means is those those elements are so pronounced now that they are able to be at least experienced by everyone else. And if there's a problem with them, then we have to address the causes of them, not the reflection of them. Nice. Okay. okay. Next one. Yes. Civil War. Yes. I put down not decadent. It's not decadent. It's not terrible. <laughs> it's okay. It's fine. It's just not very good. And it's it it's fine. It's not the model for fa- for blockbuster franchises going forward. It will be, but it shouldn't, but it shouldn't be. be. Cool. Okay. And last one. Art. Yes. Um. We must get it from somewhere. I put okay. a question mark on the end of that. It yeah. was your point about... Oh, no, I'll tell you what. But, if, but sum up, where do people look for art? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, we get it from somewhere. So you get it from different media, different forms entirely. Some people get it from music. Some people... If it's stories, some people get it from novels. I mean, Aristotle wrote. He wasn't a musician. So, of course, Aristotle is going to say, story is the most important thing, and if it collapses, all of society will collapse too. He wrote stories. Mm. He's not going to suggest his life's work isn't as in, isn't the most important thing but it's like for some people stories are just stories but they get it from music for some people they get it from painting from sculpting from some people they get it from the act of making these things as opposed to experiencing other people's it's different art, not everyone has to appreciate the exact forms of art that everyone else does so just because a certain art form you love is not being as rewarding as it once was doesn't mean that the every culture and every art form has therefore grown decadent. It just might mean that your generation that you're in has lost love for that form and that there is another form of art that is currently on the rise um, or another form of design that is on the rise. So maybe... Uh, in story, I think TV is where it's going. It's leaving the cinema. It's going yeah. to television. Agree. But if you if you think all of story isn't that great, which I don't think is true, but if that is the case, uh, I don't know what the music scene is like. It's janky. Okay. Uh, I know if you love art, well, you're not going to get it from galleries. 
you have to go to um, places. You have, I honestly think the best illustration at the moment is in comic books. Comic books have at the moment, it's the craziest thing. They have the greatest illustrations and the worst storytelling. It's unbelievable, the paradox. That's got to be quite painful. It's incredibly painful because you look at these beautiful colors and the interiors are beautiful, drawn by expert storytellers who know exactly how to pace out a story. And yet there is no story. It's absolutely heartbreaking. I've never... The... 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 the, the, um, the, The relative difference between the two is so vast. I can't believe it. Um, that's really interesting yeah it's really interesting that it's it's that pronounced between the two at least in my opinion um, just quick follow up question yeah. uh, to the art and getting it from somewhere um, you said I, I mean I know this about you anyway you're, you're, you're not what you think music is um, as you said it was I don't need to say the word again but I don't think music is janky. Oh, I'm saying my oh, your taste in music. My yeah, taste right, in music right, might be right. janky to people who. Know oh, I wish I've been misusing the word janky all this time. You should have <laughs> called me on it. I don't know. I... <laughs> the question <laughs> yes was going to be: um, Would there is there uh, is there a piece of music that um, uh, makes you cry or brings you close to tears? The, the, does it elicit that kind of emotion? The, no, it does happen. It's just very rare. Really? Yeah. Like, I've always joked that you can't put on the Moonlight Sonata while having to do something that requires any sort of attention. <laughs> uh, because it just... Uh, I, re- I, I, t- I Lark's Tongue... No, not Lark's Tongue, sorry. Um, the Talking Drum by King Crimson in their album, Lark's Tongue in Aspic. Seriously. The Talking Drum. The Talking Drum. Talking Drum. Some right, soundtracks will do it for me. Really? Yep. Uh, it does happen. It's just... It, Queen doesn't do it. <laughs> you know? Uh, when when they do those lists of really influential songs, really powerful songs, it just doesn't. Uh, it's not that I don't appreciate them. I go, wow, I can see this. It's just th- this this world does not get that going for me. What about? I don't want to say great too much, but I'm just really curious about this. Mm. Um, I, I mean, uh, pain and sadness is quite an extreme emotion. What about something just like? Uh, is is there music that instills kind of energy in you? Well, some music like would would get you moving, kind of thing. Well, yeah, but that's that's what I put on my headphones when I'm doing cardio at the gym. What do you, okay? What do what does that, what does that, bass that, cardio do? Oh, seriously? Yeah, Andrew WK. <laughs> yes. uh, I want to cut the podcast now. That's the best t- way to end. T pain, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, yeah. Okay, that's yeah. I bet I un- is that I can what you t- wanted to no, know? Well, it's, no, well, it's what I wanted to know. It's not what I expected, but yeah. I totally understand, especially the Andrew WK. Now's not the time to discuss it in detail, but I can tell you why. What? Musically, the- why it would do Yeah, that I'm guessing you. it's to the drum beat and the yeah, way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get that. I, I, get, I get that element of it, but at the same time, I don't think, like, Andrew WK is a... I, I can't even begin to discuss it in terms of a critical appreciation for it. I don't. There's no one on this earth that would be able to discuss Andrew WK in terms of critical appreciation. No, even, no, even in the sense of like it's bad or good, one way or the other. Right. I don't know how to talk then about. Music I can put Andrew network. WK in context for you. Okay, Andrew WK is yeah. Civil War. Okay. In music. Right. I and I hold Andrew WK in the highest regard. Okay. Slightly ironically, but I think it's just wonderfully fun, and that's it. Yeah. Party, party, party. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's the thing. I don't go to music for this stuff. I go to films. Sure. 
Um, okay, well let's let's let's. let's so let's maybe move, that's the thing. If you feel that way, you should let's go. move towards wrapping this up. Then, what would we take away for our own writing? Uh, don't sell out. Like seriously, just don't do it. <laughs> just don't sell out. Don't, like it's one thing to go. Maybe it's not as bad as all this decadence, blah, blah, blah. but it is a very real thing. People make crap. They know it's crap. They put it out anyway. That's what selling out is. Selling out isn't doing it for money. You got to pay your bills. That's not selling out. Selling out is, I know this is terrible. I don't care. They'll eat it anyway. Watch Kitchen Nightmares to know what selling out is. Right? <laughs> like, Gordon Ramsay goes to chefs who have literally sold out. They are re-microwaving frozen food, handing it to their customers, and they don't care that it tastes terrible. They just don't care. He goes, you're giving up. You're giving up. Right? That's That's it. Don't do that. Just don't do it. If... If you really, being, making art is so difficult to do and everything. Like, if you hate, hate what you're making, don't do it. Like, it's not a failure to go out and get another job. That's not failure. I know some people think it is, but that's just not true. Just, it doesn't, you don't have to do it. Like, there's no reason to put, there's so much crap in the world, there's no reason to put it out there. It's one thing to put out crap and think it's good. That, that's one thing. Like, okay, fair enough. You have to just educate yourself and know the difference between crap and... That's a taste issue. Yeah, you've got, not... to, you've got to learn it. You've got to have judgment. It's another thing entirely to just not care. So that's all I'm saying. Like, don't don't sell out. That's why I was just taking away from it. And like, hey, look at basketball. Look how they sold out. See the warning signs and then don't do it. I don't know. <laughs> this is beyond my pay grade. <laughs> and scene. Okay. <laughs>